TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. This is the Graybar Sports Open Line. Goes Smith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Joe Pod back with you on the Gray Bar Sports Open Line, sitting in for Matt Pauley tonight and tomorrow. Glad you are along with us. We've got uh, plenty more to do here in hour number two. We'll talk some blues. We'll talk some college football. Also, that is uh, coming up. Want to get back a little bit to uh, what we were talking about. A couple of things we were talking about uh, right off the top. Just some baseball notes. Uh, and, of course, if you didn't know, the Cardinals have signed Lance Lynn. They've signed Kyle Gibson. Both right-handed pitchers. Uh, both are older veteran right-handed pitchers, if you will. Um, one of the things I mentioned earlier about Kyle Gibson, I think I mentioned it, that he is really close with Adam Wainwright. Now, they obviously did not play together, but they met one another, and Kyle Gibson is actually the vice president of Big League Impact. That is the charitable foundation that Adam Wainwright founded, and that's uh, where his charitable efforts go, and Kyle Gibson is a big part of that, and he spoke, um, this is courtesy of the Major League Baseball Players Association, he spoke about that relationship that he has, the personal relationship that he has with former Cardinals starter Adam Wainwright. You know what, he just, he really cares for people. Adam has an impact that he probably has no idea how far it reaches. Always have looked up to, to how he carries himself, always have looked up to how he you know, pitches, how he you know, handles himself off the field. He's a dreamer. He's really passionate about helping those that are in hopeless and you know helpless situations. He's been a guy that's been a lot of fun to talk pitching with. You know, he's been a really good resource on the field through the years. Uh, he's not really one to sit there and, and want to hear people tell him, you know, how nice he is and how appreciative they are for him. And he doesn't. He always wants to shift that conversation somewhere else. But I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm done playing, but. I know that the vision for that has changed because of meeting Adam Wainwright. There you go. That's a little bit from Kyle Gibson. Again, that's uh, courtesy of the Major League Baseball Players Association. That was on their Twitter account. And, you know, you could do a lot worse than having a guy that is closely aligned with Adam Wainwright. From a personal standpoint, from a professional standpoint, he said he's learned a lot from Adam Wainwright. So there's a lot worse uh, guys that you could have brought on than a guy like that that is uh, very much connected to Adam Wainwright. So I thought that was kind of cool, and I'm I, not shocked if that is a big reason or a big part of the reason that he wanted to come to St. Louis. As John Moselock said, as you heard earlier, that that was one of the things is that Kyle Gibson wanted to be a Cardinal, wanted to come to St. Louis, and that was all part of the deal there. So the other piece of baseball news that we talked about a little bit and certainly talked about with Joe Roderick is that Mike Schilt, the former Cardinals manager, and of course, until being relieved of those duties by the Cardinals, was a lifelong Cardinals organization guy. He is now the manager in San Diego, which, again, I 
will repeat that I think is a great move. I think that one of the things that Mike Schilt has working for him is the ability to get the best out of people and out of the situation, I think. And that's one of the things I think he did in St. Louis when you know he took over. The Cardinals were a little bit lax fundamentally, and he said immediately, hey, we're going to clean up the fundamentals. We're going to play better baseball. And they did that almost immediately. So I think there is some of that maybe cleaning up that could be done in San Diego, and I think that he certainly could be the guy to do that. He spoke to uh, the guys at MLB Network earlier tonight, earlier this afternoon, and, uh, well, he had a lot of good things to say about St. Louis. Yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, Anthony had a tremendous amount of experience, not only in the big leagues, but the minor leagues, 18 seasons in a tremendous organization in St. Louis, and I'm very grateful for to this day. And, you know, it's hard for me to capture in a few sentences, but ultimately I was around some really good baseball people, George Kissel, Mark D. John, Tony La Russa at the big league level that, you know, showed me how to go about the game, how to, how, to, how to articulate and teach the game, how to study the game, how to prepare for the game. Um, you know, there was a lot of a lot of dialogue and a lot of, um, you know, interaction with this group for years and years and years. And then I was I was really blessed to be around a bunch of high quality, clearly great players over there that that um, also modeled what work looked like and accountability looked like and, and day to day uh, dedication to competition looked like. So, you know, those th- the things I learned and those factors that I alluded to, they just they just play regardless of level or regardless of stadium. And and uh, I welcome the opportunity to, to work with the staff here to to help us um, be the best version of ourselves and, and bring a, a first world championship at some point sooner oh. rather than later to be a San Diego. That's Mike Schilt talking about uh, his time and his influence, the influence that the St. Louis organization and people in that organization had on him moving forward. Uh, He also talked about San Diego and said, uh, you know, don't sell San Diego short as a baseball city. Well, I think I know where you're going with that. First of all, our fans are fantastic. This place rocks. This atmosphere is unbelievable. It's loud. It's a party. It's, it's a, it's a passionate group that loves their team and loves, loves the, the baseball. Um, you know, as far as the functionality, I mean, functional teams win. So I, I, I don't know. I don't want to get too much in the past or in too great a detail. I do think there was um, maybe some misrepresentation to the uh, level of dysfunction, but there's clearly, you know, I'm here for a reason. Um, and it's really just about making sure that we concentrate on being together. There's only so much time and in the game. Peeve knows this. You guys know it from covering. It's a grind out day in, day out basis. And you only have so much that you can really put into it. So let's make sure we're doing it towards playing good baseball, doing it together, enjoying each other. Everybody carries the the opportunity for us to, to be a great team together, um, have each other's proverbial back, and, and show up and enjoy what we're doing on a consistent basis. That is the uh, former Cards manager, new Padres manager, Mike Schilt, again appearing on Major League Baseball Network, talking about uh, his new gig with the San Diego Padres. One more piece of baseball news that we got just uh, before starting our show tonight. It's Paul DeYoung appears that he's going to sign a deal with the Chicago White Sox. So don't know what the details of those uh, of that deal is, but it looks like he's going to have a deal with the Chicago White Sox. Of course, traded to the um, Blue Jays originally. Is he traded or did the Cardinals let him go? He went to the Blue Jays originally, but he was released really quick, had a bad start with the Blue Jays, then got to the Giants and just was on fire to start his tenure with the Giants. That cooled, and he ended up getting released by San Francisco as well. So, 
you know, I hope for the best for Paul DeYoung. I think at one point it looked like he was going to be your shortstop for a long period of time, and it just didn't work out. Um, he had a really good season in 2017 was his first year up in the bigs with the Cardinals. And uh, it just, it kind of faded from there. So, but certainly hope to see good things and hope that he can bounce back and have another good year for, for the Chicago White Sox. Cause he has signed a, a deal there again. I don't have any details and I don't see any details of what uh, that looks like, how you, how long that's going to be or anything like that. The White Sox, of course, had Tim Anderson for a long time as their shortstop and uh, they are now in need of a shortstop and Paul DeYoung fits that bill. We will talk some blues hockey when we come back. We'll also talk some college football later on in the program, but it's the blues coming up next. Andy Strickland is the analyst on Valley sports Midwest. He'll join us uh, coming up in our next segment as the gray bar sports open line continues here on a Tuesday night. Joe pot in for Matt Pauley. We're coming back after this on camo X. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown, Kansas City! We are America's sports voice, KMOX. Pot back in on the Gray Bar Sports Open line. That music can mean only one thing. I guess it can mean more than one thing. Around here, it means only one thing, and that is it's time to talk some St. Louis Blues hockey, which we will do so here as we get into uh, this segment. Andy Strickland is going to join us here momentarily, and we'll talk about this Blues team and what is it to expect or what he expects or what he thinks. They lost two straight before they bounced back with that win against Anaheim on Sunday, the 3-1 to one win there. They uh, play tomorrow night, as a matter of fact. They will play at Arizona. It feels like they've played Arizona a lot this year. They played them just a couple of weeks ago at home, got a 2-1 win at home. They'll be in Arizona tomorrow night. And then back here on Friday, they'll have the... Uh, Predators in town here on Friday before going out on the road for a couple of more. They'll play at Chicago and then at Minnesota. Uh, Finish up the month with a home game against the Buffalo Sabres. So that's what the uh, schedule here looks like recently and coming up. And again, we'll delve into some more details here coming up with Andy Strickland, who is uh, one of the analysts with Bally Sports Midwest and uh, has been doing that for quite some time, longer than uh, I was surprised to hear how long it's been. As a matter of fact, I heard him a couple of weeks ago on the program with Mike Claiborne talking about um, how it's been um, the the amount of time it's been. So I was surprised to hear that, um, how long he had been doing that on Valley Sports Midwest. And 
how long he's been covering the Blues, which is even longer than that. Uh, he's got a podcast as well, the Cam and Strick podcast, so he is covering the Blues uh, from all angles. And he does join us now, Andy Strickland. Thanks again, Andy, for joining us here on the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Joe, always good to be with you, man. Thank you, as always. I appreciate it. Uh, I was just saying that I heard you when you were on with Mike Claiborne a couple of weeks ago. And am I right? This is season number 10 on Valley Sports Midwest for you? Number 10 and number 25 25 overall, right? Man. My my 25th season covering the Blues. 10th on Valley Sports, so... Man, time is – it flies. We're know, getting but, old, uh, Andy, is what you mean fun. to say. We're getting old. Yeah. Listen, you said that, not me. I'm not <laughs> saying that, Joe. Well, I appreciate you taking some time. We can uh, dig into a little bit of the Blues. I uh, had lost two straight, bounced back with a win against Anaheim on Sunday. The it's, It is – is it safe to say? I mean, it's been a streaky season, up and down season. I don't know what to expect when I see when the Blues take the ice, I don't know what I'm going to see. Is that how you feel? Do you feel that that it's been streaky up and down like that? Well, listen, it's okay if you feel that way because the team has kind of led you to feel that way because of their inconsistency. But the one thing that they've done, Joe, is that they stop the bleeding when they do lose a couple of games. I mean, they haven't had these extended losing streaks. And as you know, I mean, you have one or two of those really, really struggling runs, you know, where you lose, you know, six, seven games in a row. That can kind of you know, kick you out of the playoff race, and it's really difficult to get back in it. And we saw that last year. You know, the Blues lost eight in a row early in the season after winning the first three games. And, you know, then they would win five in a row, but then they would lose some more games, and it was difficult for them to ever really get their footing underneath them and, uh, and eventually climb back into the playoff race. So, you know, you look at the Central Division, you know, you look at the two big dogs up top. I mean, it's no surprise. We kind of thought Dallas and Colorado would be those two teams. Winnipeg is keeping pace. But then you get into St. Louis, Arizona, Nashville. Um, you know, eventually some of those teams are going to fall out. You know, it was a big win by the Predators last night. But, again, if you stop the bleeding and you win your home games, uh, I think you're going to have a chance to keep the pace here in the Central. And it's not like, I mean, they've proven they can go and, and play with the top of the Western Conference. They went out and just absolutely smashed Colorado uh, a week or so ago. Um, so it's not it's not as if they can't play with some of those teams that we expect to be at the top of the division or at the top of, of the Western Conference? No, I think they can. And, you know, listen, if you get goaltending, you can play with anybody. And for the most part, the Blues have gotten good goaltending this season. And, um, you know, defensively, listen, that was the big question mark, Joe, coming into the year was, uh, you know, how would this team do, you know, from a uh, defensive standpoint? And, you know, would they you know, truly be able to improve off of what we saw from last year? And, and I don't think the people, you know, people thought that, you know, goaltending would be an issue. Or not goaltending, but uh, goal scoring would be an issue. Um, you know, based on the way the team produced towards the end of last season. Um, and just the overall personnel of the team. Well, you know, the first, you know, several games of the year, it's, it's been the defense has checked the boxes. The goaltending has checked the boxes. Uh, obviously, the power play has been a major storyline. And it's led to the, uh, to the offense kind of maybe not living – up to the expectations, although they've been much better as of late prior to at least to this road trip. You know, they scored a ton of goals on their their most recent homestand. So, um, listen, the the recipe for winning in this league is obviously good team defense and goaltending, but you also need, you know, some some scoring depth. And, you know, it's good to see a guy like, you know, Jake Neighbors get goals in back-to-back games. Uh, You know, Oscar Sundquist have a pretty strong game 
um, you know, in Anaheim. You know, he didn't score a goal, but he had a pretty strong game. Um, you know, but if you can get the guys like Verona and Kapanen, you know, Sammy Blay was a healthy scratch in the previous game. But, you know, these are the type of guys that you really need to uh, to score on a consistent basis. Brandon Saad. Like, it can't just be Buchnevich and Thomas and Kairou and Shen like it was in the previous homestand. They need other guys to contribute offensively. And uh, they got a little bit of that here, you know, with Torpchenko scoring and obviously, uh, like I said, with Jake Neighbors, man. And you just hope that continues. To what do you attribute the, uh, the, the, the I guess, the futility on the power play? And as you said, it's kind of dragging down the offense. They made a coaching change, right, to kind of address that power play, and it still is, is near the bottom of the NHL. Yeah, listen, some of it comes down to execution. Now, people don't like to hear this, but it has been better, you know, as of late. And I'm not just saying that because they got the, uh, the power play goal in Anaheim. You know, that's a good start. Um, but just their overall look, uh, the, the possession time, um, you know, getting into, um, you know, their, their power play sets and, uh, and being able to at least create some, some you know, quality chances, which at the end of the day, even if you don't score, it gives your best players some touches, Joe, and, you know, can at least lead to them getting some confidence moving forward you know, throughout the rest of the game and, and could, you know, eventually lead to some five-on-five success. So I mean, at least that's the hope. Um, you know, but they're, they're, they're too good, you know, to just not get it together in terms of the players that they throw out there. Now, you can look at the entire body of work, and it's not, it's not pretty, you know. But if they can all of a sudden get this thing going over the course of the next couple of games and you can look at it in five- and ten-game segments and, uh, and really start to use their power play to help them you know, bank some points because, you know, you can talk about depth scoring. Um, you know, a good way to win games and, and to have success is also getting special team scoring, specifically on the power play. And if you can start to get some of that now over the course of the next handful of games, then, you know, listen, I think it's going to lead to, you know, less inconsistency from what we've seen so far. It's tough to win uh, in the NHL as it is, but when you don't produce on the power play, you, you really make things difficult on yourself, and um, they need it. And they need their best players to perform, and, and, and that's where the best players make their money is, uh, is on the power play. Those are the guys on the ice, Joe. And, um, and they haven't gotten it done on the power play when you look at the entire body of work, but you hope what we saw in Anaheim you know, leads to some, uh, some better play and, and, and more offense. We're talking some blues hockey with Andy Strickland of Bally Sports Midwest here on Graybar Sports Open Line. Is it just a is it a matter of simply executing, as you said? Is it a, is it something that uh, a personnel thing can that a personnel change could help could alleviate some of the issues? Well, you saw some other bodies kind of work in and out of there, right? You saw Sunquist get on the power play. You may see uh, you saw Jake Neighbors find a way to get some power play time as well. I mean, yeah, listen. When, when, when a, a specific unit isn't getting it done, um, then, you know, but listen, you, you have bodies that you can rotate in and, you know, maybe give a little more of a simplified look where they're not looking for the great A's and, you know, the, the highlight reel, you know, um, you know power play goals and, and passes and trying to make the sports center top ten highlights with every play. You know, sometimes the best play on the power play is to get pucks on net. And uh, to get, you know, bodies um, in tight uh, who are strong in front and can find those loose pucks and get rebounds and get deflections and get tips. I mean, 
whether it's you know shots coming from the flanks or shots coming from up top on the point, it really doesn't matter, but you need pucks to the net. And I think when you put some of those individuals on the power play, um, you know, it leads to maybe a little more of a, of a simple, uh, simplified approach to, to just, you know, not overhandling the puck, not overpassing. And uh, when the opportunity presents itself to put a puck on that, you go ahead and shoot. Now, listen, Scotty Perunovic has, you know, looked pretty good there too. And, and they have made that switch, at least on the first unit. And, uh, and bumping down Tory Krug. They did that a few games ago as well, which I thought got Krug's attention because, you know, after that, Krug really started to turn it on, and he was putting up some points. I think he had six points in four games, something like that. So, um, you know, listen, sometimes that'll get your attention too. But right now, Scotty Perunovic is the guy. I'm sure it's going to be a revolving door. I'm sure Krug will find his way back up with the number one unit. But uh, you get much more motion and it's not just the puck, uh, the, the, the puck movement, but it's the body movement as well, which you know, leads to a really good power play. You look at the top power plays around the NHL, Joe, they get a lot of body movement, a lot of motion up top, which creates some confusion. It's not just the puck movement. Well, Andy Strickland, I appreciate some time tonight. Uh, I promise you we'll do it again uh, whenever I'm back in the seat, and I know you do it with Matt anyway, but um, always appreciate you taking some time to chat about the Blues. And, uh, again, hard to believe it's been 10 years on Bally Sports Midwest and 25 years covering the Blues for Andy Strickland. <laughs> I know, man. Hey, don't tell anybody. That's our own little secret. Yes, man. that sounds good. I appreciate it. Yes, yes. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's good to talk to you. Good to catch up. All right, Joe. Go Vikings, man. We'll you got it. Soon. You got it. That is Andy Strickland, Bally Sports Midwest Blues analyst. Talking some blues with us tonight. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk some college football on the other side of the break. It's the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley. Coming back right after this. This is the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Goes mid swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley. Graybar Sports Open Line continues here on KMOX, and we'll switch gears once again, talk a little college football. Brett McMurphy is the uh, Action Network uh, college football guru. Glad to have him joining us here tonight on the night that the uh, college football playoff rankings come out uh, once again. They just were revealed about, uh, about an hour and a half ago. Brett, thanks so much for joining us tonight. You got it. Good to be with you. Uh, top four, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, with Florida State at number five. I didn't see I, – I saw the show. I didn't hear the show. I saw your tweet uh, that mentioned that the the Florida State number five ranking had nothing to do with the injury to Jordan Travis. Are you buying that? No, I'm not buying it, but it, it doesn't matter. Uh, if Florida State goes 13-0, and I find it – very, very unlikely that the committee would pick a 12 and one conference champ over a 13 and 0 Power Five conference champ for the fourth spot. Now we may have a third 12 and one team ranked ahead ahead of Florida State, mm-hmm. but if it's coming down to the fourth position, look, I'd be stunned if they left out a 13 and 0 Power Five champ unless Florida State, you know. Lux out of win against Florida, and then Lux out of win against Louisville. So it's obviously they're a, they are a much weaker team. But if they take care of business and win, you know, comfortably by 
you know, double digits. I don't think they need to win by 50. But win by double digits both games, I don't I don't see how they, they could be left out. I know there's a million different scenarios. And everything that the committee looks at, the bottom line is 10th year they've done it. They consider one thing more important than everything else, and that's the number in the loss column. And I find it hard to believe they would keep out a 13-0 Power 5 conference champ. And so when it comes down to it, uh, that the two and three is Ohio State and Michigan right now, the winner of that stays in the top four. The loser does not, right? Yeah, but I don't see how the the loser tumbles out. Um, I'm projecting the loser to go to the Orange Bowl. Um, and the winner, if they win the Big Ten, they'll be the two seed um, and probably play in the Rose Bowl, um, you know, against whoever in, ends up as a three seed. That is, of course, if Georgia, you know, runs a the table, they'll go to the Sugar Bowl as the one seed. And that's uh, that's what we all expect, probably, the way it comes out. You have the, the most recent projection I saw that, that you had yesterday. You have it with Oregon uh, in there as well. So Michigan and Oregon in the Rose Bowl, Georgia, Florida State in the Sugar Bowl. Think it'll stay that yeah, way? Yeah, and that's – yeah, and you know what? I, I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but all I'm doing is going by what the committee has told us. And what has the committee told us the past four weeks is that Oregon is a better team than Texas. So what is going to change in these last couple of weeks? Well, Oregon plays – Oregon State, which will be a top 20 win. They're currently Oregon State 16. They would mm-hmm. drop, but would stay in the top 25. Texas plays an unranked Texas Tech team. And then Texas maybe gets Oklahoma State. We'll have to see in the Big 12 title game. Oklahoma State currently at number 20. So they get another top top 20 win potentially for Texas. While Oregon could get two. They could get Oregon State. And they could get a rematch against Washington. So I don't see how in their right minds they've had Oregon at six, Texas is seven this entire time, and then Oregon wins out. I don't see how Oregon does not get up into the top four. Washington would tumble out. The Ohio State-Michigan winner would tumble out. And I actually think Oregon would would pass Florida State. So that's where I was saying, you know, they may have a one-loss team ranked above Florida State at number three, but I don't think they're going to kick Florida State all the way out. Um and Texas, you know, only has the ability for a more top 25 win. Oregon, who's already ahead of Texas, has a chance for two more top 25 wins. And then how this affects Mizzou, and I, I you know, um, tweeted this last week when Mizzou was ranked um, number nine. And basically, if Mizzou won their final two games against Florida, and you guys made it interesting, and Arkansas, you're locked into a New Year's Six game. And Again, it's not set in stone, but a Cotton Bowl matchup would probably be the most likely scenario against potentially Big 12 champ Texas, although Missouri also could go potentially to the Fiesta or the Peach. And I think the Cotton Bowl is the last time that Mizzou was in a New Year's, uh, a New Year's Day Bowl. Or, or traditional the, the game. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's talk a little bit more about Mizzou and about the Tigers. Uh, Brett McMurphy joining us from the Action Network have you been surprised uh, by what Mizzou has done this year, the way they've done it? Yeah, I mean, no, nobody outside of that building could have, you know, realistically said Mizzou's going to Mizzou's going to have a ten-win regular season um, and also be in a New Year's Six game. I mean, if so, then you know you sh- you should be retiring in the south of France because <laughs> you would have put you know 
10 grand on it in Vegas and you'd be kicking back. Um, yeah, it's been an uh, incredible job by uh, Eli and they just, you know, um, they've been one of the big surprises this year on the, on the national scale. And certainly um, Cody Schrader coming on late, kind of almost similar to Ollie Gordon at Oklahoma state, both guys kind of early in the year kind of uh, weren't really known. And now they've, you know, come on at the end of the year. Um, but for Missouri, you know, obviously, the you know, you, it's funny how one play could change something. But, you know, the, win, the last second win against Kansas State, just think of how different the season would, would appear if, if Missouri would have lost that game to Kansas State. Um, you know, maybe it's not they're 9-3 and three instead of 10-2, and two, but it's just a totally different vibe after three weeks. And, um, yeah, it's unbelievable. And, and what they're doing is not easy because there's a lot of bodies you got to climb over in the SEC and for Missouri to basically, you know, we'll have to see what happens to Bama in the SEC title game. If Bama's competitive with Georgia, I don't necessarily think that Missouri would jump above Alabama in the final rankings, but that's not going to matter whether they do or they don't. As long as they take care of business against Arkansas, they'll be in a New Year's Six game. And I'm sure every every Missouri fan would have signed up for that um, before the season. But it's funny – a former ESPN coworker of mine, and if you know the alma maters of some of these sports center folks, you may be able to figure it out. I won't, I won't tell you his name, but his initials are John Anderson. Right. <laughs> uh, we were texting, <laughs> we were texting because um, he was at did the cross country championships in o- Oklahoma State, my alma mater won. So we were texting back and forth, and I said, "Hey, you guys are set on a New Year's Six game. Just don't lose to Florida, or Arkansas." And he sends me a text. Um, when Florida went up late in the fourth quarter and he goes, I, this is all your fault. I'm blaming it on you. <laughs> and then Missouri pulls it out. And I said, never a doubt, never a doubt, but no, just an incredible season um, by Eli and by the Tigers. And, and that's good news because next year, not only for Missouri, but for everybody else, um, you know, the degree of difficulty will get even tougher when Texas and OU uh, join the party. I I even think you know you said how different it could be you know if you don't have that Kansas State when I think about the other way even how different it could be if you have a chance if you get LSU because they certainly had a chance to get LSU in that game um, and then the other side is I I I was at the game against Middle Tennessee early in the year and I would have never guessed uh, that it would have come out this way because they really had a hard time beating Middle Tennessee in week number two. Yeah, and you know had you know had a. You know, Memphis game was a touchdown. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, what's funny, it's like that week of the season, I'm sure, you know, Missouri fans are ready to jump off a cliff after the Middle Tennessee game, which, by the way, I think Middle Tennessee, God, what did they end up this year? They're going to end up four and eight, possibly. Uh, maybe five and five and seven. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You just you literally just have to survive in advance. Nobody's going to remember, you know, two months later that you, you snuck by Middle Tennessee. But, um, you're right about the LSU game. The problem is, you know, Missouri may be a little bit higher up in the rankings, but still, you know, they wouldn't have been in the in the title game because of obviously, you know, the big bully Georgia. But um, yeah, just uh, un- unbelievable um, situation. And the the thing that I was keeping my eye on the past couple of weeks was where would they be ranked compared to Ole Miss, um, and the fact that they're now three spots ahead of Ole Miss. Um, you know, there's no way that 
But the team from high Missouri can't jump them. Um, you know, Penn State plays Michigan State. That's a nothing burger. Um, you know, so no, nobody can jump them. So it's it's pretty simple. You know, although it's not simple, we'll see. Beat Arkansas, and and they'll be uh, in one of the New Year's Six games, which is which is a pretty cool significant significant achievement no doubt no question about it Brett McMurphy uh one last thing I, I wanted to ask do you expect there to be any further fallout at Michigan uh and do you expect that Harbaugh will be looking for somewhere else to coach next year as far as fallout this year no I don't I don't think anything else will happen I think the NCAA is going to look at this and I I've said it before the NCAA kind of moves at the the pace of a, of a glacier so uh, there's no way the NCAA can do anything this year. I don't see how in the world they would be able to conduct an in, and complete an investigation mm-hmm. and then have, give Michigan the due process. So I don't think it's going to impact Michigan. I do believe, and people um, close to the Michigan program actually told me this before the season, before all this stuff even, we knew that this was going on, so it's not a reaction to that, but they basically thought this would be Harbaugh's last year and now with all the stuff uh, coming out, I really believe that. And I think ultimately by the time the NCAA is done um, ruling on this, Harbaugh, heck, he may be in his second year coaching the Chargers or the Raiders at that point. Wow. Interesting. Well, Brett McMurphy, I appreciate you taking some time tonight uh, here as the uh, college football rankings were revealed once again. You can follow Brett at Brett underscore McMurphy. Uh, a pleasure to talk some college football with you here on KMOX. I really appreciate it. You got it. Thank you. That is Brett McMurphy with us here. It's the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. One final segment to go here on a Tuesday night. We'll wrap things up on the other side of the break. I'm Joe Pott in for Matt Pauley. We're coming back after this on Camo X. Our sports open line, Joe Pot in for Matt Pauley. One final segment here, joined in the studio by John Hancock times two. Hey, Michael Kelly. Hey, good evening. Thank you guys. I appreciate you doing a little crossover segment here. I was saying we get to chat, we chat all the time on Friday mornings, but, but never, it's in the hallways. Never with all of these dozens with, of people without the microphones. I, right? I feel like you're usually hustling out of here so you don't have to deal with Hancock on Friday mornings. <laughs> I'm not hustling. Know? I'm just I, I have a second job to get to on Friday mornings. That's yeah, all it is. Exactly. That's, that's the reality of you it. You lost some weight. No, but thank you for I appreciate you saying so. That's a sentence nobody's ever said to me in my entire life. I don't think that comes up much, does it? No. This is not a week that anybody loses anyway. That's like if somebody said, Did you change your hair? No. Yeah. yeah. I'm right there with you. I know. Same thing. (laughs) Same exact thing. How many Thanksgivings do you have to do, Pot? Uh, Just two, which is good. It's great. So I got one on Thursday and one on Friday. It'll be exactly as you want it. I get to. Hang nice. out and eat on Thursday. Don't have to rush off anywhere. And then on Friday, hang out and eat on Friday again. Nice. I will be here early Friday morning as Ooh. normal, though. So. Well, so will we. It'll be all right. See? Think about oh, it. you're going to be here with us Friday morning? I'll be here yeah. Friday morning. Well, we won't get to talk this like is the this. See, this is the guy that comes in when the holiday during the holiday weeks yeah. because all the regulars oh, yeah. take their We're time off. That, crew here. Exactly. Yeah. That's, how, that's how we roll. That's exactly what what we, is expected. Kelly and I pretty much take the place over in December. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here I, a lot too. So I park in the manager's yeah, uh, right. spot out there. <laughs> the, figure no, they're not here. They're, no one's going to enforce it, right? Yeah, especially exactly. in the evenings. Right now, where are you park? You're in the handicap spot, aren't you? No, 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 <laughs> no. But I'm close. I'm close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're in the so boss's spot. A Tuesday night appearance for Hancock and Kelly. Well, we had the big Monday night football game. We last did night, indeed. Kansas in City Kansas Tuesday. City. Which, uh, now, I don't, 
you know, I know a lot of people. We are the voice of the Chiefs here uh, at KMOX, but a lot of people in St. Louis really like the Chiefs. Are you uh, in that camp, Joe? I am not. I'm not either. I am not. Yeah. I'm not either. I'm, not, I'm indifferent. Bother didn't bother me a bit last night. And I, when old, I, when old uh, Marquez Valdez, uh, whatever his name, dropped, dropped pass. that pass in the end zone, that was uh, that was something. Yeah, that was. I mean, you couldn't have placed the ball in the man's hands any better than that. No, and then, poof, it happens though. Right? Yeah, ask Jackie Smith. Oh yeah, it does oh, happen. Great story. So I'm meeting a client. Uh, I'm I'm in the the little bar of the Ritz. And it's a guy he's running for Congress in Illinois, and we're talking, and his campaign guys are a young guy, and he just graduated from college, and he was a tight end in college. I said, oh, I said, you know who Jackie Smith is? And he had no idea. Ugh. So I'm telling him the Jackie Smith story of the Super Bowl, and he says, oh, that's unbelievable. i got to look that up on YouTube. Over to the table comes Jackie Smith. What? Yes. Oh, my gosh. He, comes, he says, John. I, I said, Jackie <laughs> Smith. I'm, While he's looking up the Jackie yeah. Smith play, Jackie Smith walks over. <laughs> and I said, you know, I was just talking about you. <laughs> what a cool yeah. what And then you, and then you, you have to say, exactly pass. right. You have to say, wait, what story are you telling? Exactly. Guy, though, Jackie Smith. Really good guy. Yeah. Really good guy. And a good singer. I have a friend from Dallas, and I've been down there with his family a couple of times. In the, you know, he's St. Louis, and I tell him. Oh yeah, you know uh, Jackie Smith's a big deal. Jackie Smith, oh Jackie Smith. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he's a really big deal it's in like, St. Louis. It's like a tale of two different careers, yeah, right? Oh, like, oh Danny Boy. Oh, the guy's, I've, the I've guy's heard a singer. Sing. He'll probably be at Guns and Hoses tomorrow night singing. He, he usually does show yeah. up and sing yeah. there. And a nice man. I've never seen him turn out an autograph or anything. Yep, great guy, Hall yeah. of Famer. So what are we discussing on your fine well, program buddy, this evening? It's called Late Night with Late Hancock Night and with Kelly. Hancock so we and don't Kelly. do politics. That's, so I'm going to be... Uh, I've listened many a times. Oh, yeah, yeah. People come from inches around. <laughs> so uh, uh, we're going to be discussing my secrets to uh, baking the or basting or whatever you do, <laughs> the perfect turkey. John, the broiling. you've never cooked You've never cooked. I've turkey. Got, see, people mess this up all Someone who doesn't know if he's baking, basting, or broiling, yeah, well, right? I mean, that's that's, that's, that's not, the one that's we're, we're counting on part. for the secrets. It's all about the temperature, Joe. Oh, and, okay. and a lot of people, they get mixed up because the dark meat it needs to be a little hotter than the white meat. And if it's not, the dark meat is tougher. So I've got a solution for that problem. I will unveil it this evening. Well, how about that? Now that's a tease. I guess so. I I would have thought that you would just go exactly. That's John Junior. That's a tease. Does he actually do any of the cooking, John? Uh, you know, I I haven't witnessed it, but you know, there were a few Thanksgivings when I was young that I don't remember. So it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> so if so if if he does, it's been a while, is what you're it's, saying. It's, it's been not a while, anything yeah. of recent history. Yeah. No, my grandpa talks about how I uh, had the runs when I was two. So oh, it, it doesn't doesn't bode well for him if that that was the case. I think it was the Thanksgiving in '96. Well, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. But I will be uh, I will be unveiling my secret to the perfect bird. I yes. look forward to it. I know. I know. And, and other than that, we've got our sports insider over here. He's gonna, we'll be breaking down these Cardinal acquisitions. Woo! Lot to yes. say. Lot to say. A lot to say. <laughs> uh, this is all I will say. Innings, right? Yeah, they got some innings. What yeah. else? I mean, that innings. Well, maybe it's just the the appetizer, gentlemen. Let's hope it's, no, it's not. A, well, yeah. I think that's legit, and that's, uh, well, that's what John Mozeliak said over and over again today. Was yeah. it's, it's November 21st. Day one. They had but, the option. They had the 
a chance to get these two, and and they did it. But but you can't blame a Cardinal fan for being a bit jaded because for every sure. year when we go into the trade deadline, we're told yeah, we're in the market, we're in the market. Ah, just never came to do it, you know. Well, we got Arnado, we got Goldsmith. But, but but these are who you'd usually sign at the trade deadline, right? Yeah. You, this is your Lester and Hap, and it's like right. you're just well, doing it. You're just doing it a few months in, early. In all seriousness, we're going to find out. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about this Dusty Blake, the pitching coach. And if you look at Lance Lynn, his velocity's down a little bit. Um, that's a concern. But his his dip is not dipping like it used to dip. Okay. And if they can fix the dip, then we've got a chip on our hands. Which we might know is spin rate. Yeah, uh, yeah his dip is not dipping break, like it once dipped. Breaking his breaking ball. So the man needs to up his dip. Yeah, I, I, I am I am okay with this if, and the if being what comes next. Right? Yeah, you get the top line. That's exactly right. That's that's what, what it remains to be seen. It does. Well, Good I will thought, be listening. Everybody will be listening and waiting to hear what that secret to the it's, uh, perfect Thanksgiving bird is. So you got to be have a little dexterity about you. That's all I'm going to say. I think you're going to need to be able to order from some takeout <laughs> joint is really what the answer is going to wind up being. Grubhub coming to the... <laughs> Uh, residents to the Hancock residents here. Now well, we I look this. forward to it. Thank you guys Thank for, you, uh, for joining us for a little crossover action here. And thanks to all of our guests tonight. Thanks to Andy Strickland and Brett McMurphy, Joe Roderick. Appreciate uh, talking about some sports tonight. I'll be back tomorrow night on the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 